Hello and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Monday, January the 18th of 2021. Along with my brothers, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando, it is always an honor for us and a privilege to come to you and to share this time together in the Word. We welcome all our listeners today, wherever you're tuning in from, and thank you again for this fellowship. It is always our desire that after each podcast, you take time to ponder and that this word will find good ground in your heart. Today is Monday. We begin a new week. Uh, a lot of things that are on the way, uh, exciting things and things that we're looking at this whole week. This is a very uh, instrumental, very, uh, for the lack of a better word, a very uh, decisive week, a very telling week for us of the direction of our nation. But today, we're going to look into the Word of God, as we always do, because we know that within it, we find the answers that we need in this hour. We're going to give ample time to the Word today. We're going to discuss it and study it. So I'm going to leave it to Brother Marty to share what God has placed in your heart as we discuss and study the Word of God together. Amen. We welcome everybody to a new week in the Lord as we continue to explore what the Lord is telling us as we are being guided by the Holy Spirit. We pray that your weekend was good. You had a, a restful time with your family. Events continue to unfold around the world. The Lord is speaking, and that is what we seek to hear from the voice of the Lord, what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So we look forward to this week as we begin a new study uh, Today, we'll be coming to you from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 8. The book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 8. I'm going to ask you to join with us as Brother Jeremy begins our study by reading the first three verses. Isaiah, chapter 8, verse 1 through 3, and we'll get into the word of God. We thank you for all your prayers as we continue to pray for you. We pray that the Lord will bless you. Uh, in this study and in the days ahead, as you join together with us today as we begin this week in Jesus' name. Brother Jeremy, would you read to us, please, Isaiah 8, 1 through 3. More, amen. Moreover, the Lord said unto me, Take thee a great roll, and write in it with a man's pen concerning Maher Shalah Hashbash. And I took unto me faithful witnesses to record Uriah, the priest, and Zechariah, the son of Jeber Achiah. And I went unto the prophetess, and she conceived and bare a son. Then said the Lord to me, call his name Maher Shalal Hashbaz. Praise the Lord. I went to the prophetess and she conceived. Praise you, Jesus. So as we begin today, America, Israel, and the world really have entered the, the dark days that are foretold by the ancient prophets of old. This Wednesday on January the 20th, 2021, I believe what we are going to see is that the plucking of the eagle's wings spoken of in Daniel chapter 7, verse 4, it will be complete. Many within the Jesus rejecting Israel and the false church 
really through decades of false teaching. They have no clue what is really happening. They are, as the Bible terms, the wicked of our times. For they have sought the world. They have not sought the Lord. These are, well, I should say it this way. There are those in the church and in Israel, however. They are the ones that are hearing. They are in different stages as to what it is that they're sensing, but they're all being moved to search the Holy Scriptures. It is this undefinable group right now that God is moving by His Spirit all over the world. It's causing many of them to turn toward the Scriptures now and begin to search to find answers for the times that we find ourselves in. They're sensing, and like I said, they're being moved to the Holy Scriptures, but this is just as the angel Gabriel told the prophet Daniel they would do. These are those that are called the wise, upon whom the end of time has come. And so they're now entering the days which Daniel was was really not allowed to see, right? We've, we've looked at that many times. Daniel was not allowed to see or to understand the final visions that he had, because he was told the books would be opened for that far future generation. I believe that generation is here now. So as we begin today to explore, you know, these deeper truths, and they are deeper, and this isn't Bible 101. Uh, You need to get up to speed, and you need to pray and seek God and ask him to help you understand, which I believe that he will by the precious Holy Spirit, because the time is at hand. So as we begin, like I said, to explore these deeper truths today, seeking understanding led by the Holy Spirit, of course, humbly we say, It is just as the Lord told us what happened. The Holy Spirit is showing us what is about to come. So what we speak today really is insight, and it's hidden within history, the history of the Word. Uh, The history we're about to look at has many insights, many parallels, and, and indeed revelation for what is lying ahead. So I'm going to ask Brother Jeremy again as we begin Please read uh, verse 1 and 2, and we'll begin our discussion, brother. Moreover, the Lord said unto me, Take thee a great roll, and write it in it with a man's pen concerning Maher Shalal Hashbaz. And I took unto me faithful witnesses to record Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of Jeber Echiah. Well, first of all, we know the Spirit is moving because Brother Jeremy was able to say Maher Shalal Hashbaz. That's an amazing thing to me. (laughs) 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 We know he's he's anointed this week. Praise God. So anyway, (laughs) I'll look at something here because really what what God is commanding Isaiah to do is quite quite amazing. It's connected really 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 is all one unfolding Uh, multiple visions that Isaiah was given at a particular time in history uh, of Israel and Judah. But what God commands him to do is is to write, begin to write, and he tells him to take a great role and to use a, a man's pen. So 
he first commands the prophet to write. So the, the prophecy was con is really a prophecy for, for the now or the time that he was writing. And when he references a man's pin, uh, it, it has to do, it sets the tone uh, for what the prophecy is about. It really involves all of mankind and it's being recorded. Remember, prophecy is prophecy when it's brought to the prophet. It's, it's prophecy in the heart of the prophet. But once he records it, once he writes it down, it's very symbolic really for us to understand that, that once it's written in the earth, it, it is now uh, reached its destination point and the unfolding of what's about to happen will happen for it has come from heaven and it is now into the earth. And he has him writing it with a man's pen because what's about to unfold and what we're going to see has to do with all of mankind. It's expansive. It covers the whole of humanity. That's why he, he said, write it on a great roll or a large scroll, right? So, and then what he says that what the prophecy is, it's, is it's concerning Mahir Shalal Hash Baz. That's quite a name there. But literally what the name means is that plunder hastens. And the spoil quickens. In other words, things are about to be emptied and, and taken. And the treasures of the earth of mankind are about to be removed into the hands of the one that's coming. And it's going to happen quickly. From this point, it's going to happen quickly. That's what he's saying. Now, the announcement that we just read in verse 1, it's concerning the events of chapter 7. And it's very interesting because in the history of it, what, what God is having Isaiah do is address the king of Judah, Ahaz. And there was an event that was about to trigger the rise of the king of Assyria. And I find it incredibly interesting because it, it very much prophetically, um, you know, um, it very much prophetically concerns our time. And you'll see that as we get into this prophecy. Because what's being revealed here is really end-time events. Though it will be played out in the actual historical events, this is dual prophecy. It has a, 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 a fulfillment in the beginning, but it also has, as, we've, as Isaiah is the one who would say it, by the Spirit of the Lord, ramifications for the end of time. And that is what we're looking for. We're looking for parallels. We're looking for insights. We're looking for uh, the, the same characteristics and revelation that unfolded in their time. And, and we're looking for guidance based on that by the Holy Spirit. So the first thing that he says is going to trigger this event is something that he reveals in chapter 7. And Brother Jeremy, I want you to read that. And let's take a look at that. Chapter 7, verse 5 through 7. And listen carefully what triggers this event, this rise of the one they call the king of Assyria, who is a type of the Antichrist. Now listen to what he says. Because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Remaliah have taken evil counsel against thee, saying, let us go up against Judah and vex it, and let us make a breach therein for us and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tabial. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall not stand, neither 
shall it come to pass. So what they were attempting to do was to remove power and then install, if you will, a puppet king. But at a much deeper level as it pertains to our time, what it, what the, the, the similarities are really interesting for what we see about to transpire here in this country and across the world, really. There is a move to install a puppet king. And I don't want to get into the historical narrative of it because it's, it's, it's really the spiritual implications of it and our times that we're looking at here. Because the moving or the attempting to do this ends up triggering something. But what the, what the Lord says to his prophet and subsequently reveals to his king at the time, Ahaz, is that what they are attempting to do is not going to stand. They were, ten, they were attempting to expand their political power and influence and even bring it directly into the midst of, of, of Judah and Jerusalem. And, and by doing this, what they attempted to do was create a confederacy that would, that would ensure their political viability. But what Isaiah has revealed to him here is that this attempt is actually something that's going to trigger other events. And that's what we pick up in chapter 8. The Isaiah, let's go back to chapter 8, is now given a revelation. He knows this, what, what we were just talking about, by the revelation of the Spirit. And we have to understand these events that we're witnessing now in our time. They're going to lead us now to Jerusalem, becoming the central focus. That's what 7 and 8 is all about, 9, 10. What we're going to see in the unfolding of prophetic events is the destabilizing of, of the West. The, then the focus will turn. The act of destabilizing and attempting to install a puppet king is actually triggering prophetic events. In their time, they were events in the history of their times that was actually unfolding what would in the end be the rise of of the super global state and the king of Assyria at its head. But all of this had to do with God's people and a compromised people. Because as we talked about before, there is true natural Israel and there's spiritual Israel, which is made up of Jew and Gentile. But there, in their time, there was also an Israel that broke away, the charismatics of their day, if you will. They, they, they set up a, a capital city in Samaria. They built false, a false temple in Bethel. And there the nation became flooded with the influences of the world and incredible idolatry that ultimately would lead to its end. But that influence had reached its way all the way into Jerusalem and Judah itself as well. And so we see these kinds of parallels playing out in our time. And like we said, our time, we're going, uh, you know, what's going to happen in the coming days, if you were to just plainly ask me, is, and what I sense by what we're learning in the spirit here, is that the act of January the 20th and what is about to happen, the installing of a puppet king, is actually the culmination of something that has already occurred. The invasion of the Capitol, the 2020 pandemic, all the events of the global reset, the attempt to diminish the United States and absorb it into the global collective is all part of this. But what it's actually doing, whether they realize it or not, is triggering the events that are going to give rise to the king of Assyria, that Antichrist one, the Assyrian he's called by Isaiah, the son of perdition he's called, the, the, the wicked one, uh, and so forth and so on. The beast that's given a mouth, the little horn, whatever label you want to give him, there is events that trigger it. And in their day, it was the attempted installation of a puppet king for their own design. 
but God said, this isn't going to stand. Actually, what's going to happen as a result of that move, he said, is the king of Assyria is going to rise. And so now Isaiah, as he reveals to him in chapter 8, I want you to take out the scroll. It's really symbolic of the book of Revelation, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. The, the diminishing and the destruction of what, what is coming to Samaria, that false nation that was born out of Judah, for Samaria and Israel equal the false church, the false nation. It will be plundered by the Antichrist and his lackey elites. That's really what's going to happen. He that has an ear, let him hear. So it's very interesting what happens here in verse 2. Can you read verse 2, what he has Isaiah do? Yes. <clears throat> and I took unto me faithful witnesses to record Uriah, the priest, and Zechariah, the son of Jeberekiah. Remember, we're talking to you at a very deep level here today, so I hope you can pay attention and not come back and listen to it until you do. But listen, this is the second part of what is now happening. The events of the attempt, the attempted overthrow and the installation of a political puppet triggers events that are leading to this. It alerts Isaiah by the Spirit of the Lord that he now needs to write and record something. Because what he writes and, and, and what God told him in verse 1 is this is concerning uh, Maher Shalal Hashbaz, right? This long name. But what he's saying is the event and the attempted installation of this puppet king has actually triggered events that will give rise to the Antichrist figure, the king of Assyria. And what's coming is coming quickly. That's what his name means. The ultimate end and design of it is to plunder the land, to literally uh, take a spoil. And what's going to happen is going to happen quickly. 2021 is going to be is going to be a series of quick event followed by quick event followed by quick event. That is what we are seeing. Now notice what he says and how we know this coincides with the book of Revelation in the spirit of it, in the deeper level of it, if you can receive it, is that he's commanded to take faithful witnesses to record it, to record what's being uh, written. In other words, it, it in many ways, this, this scroll um, is, born, uh, is born witness to by what? By two witnesses, right? One is a priest and one is a prophet. The priest is Uriah. The prophet is Zechariah, the son of Jebekiah. That's very interesting because this, in essence, is a type of the two, two witnesses of the book of Revelation. Two witnesses like Moses and Aaron, right? They went to the Antichrist, these two witnesses, Moses and Aaron, and they proclaimed that the deliverance of the people of God was at hand. That is why we see Isaiah doing these types of things in chapter 8. He is revealing the two witnesses of the, of the yet far-flung future in the book of Revelation who will give witness to what is being written in the scroll. Now, both of this foreshadows judgment on the world, and also the coming king, the deliverance, the exodus, if you will, the second exodus we've been talking about for God's people. Now God commands Isaiah to do something very interesting in verse 3. What does he do, Brother Jeremy, in verse 3? And I went unto the prophetess, and she conceived and bare a son. Then said the Lord to me, call his name Maher Shalal Hashbaz. Now, from the perspective of, 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 of those who can discern what we're about to say here, 
God has Isaiah do something very interesting. God be uh, Isaiah being the male, uh, the prophetess, his wife being the female. In this sense, Isaiah represents the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the spirit of prophecy. And he comes to his wife, if you will, or the spirit comes to the, to the prophetess. She represents the true church that is alive now. And the coming together of the two, the testimony of Jesus Christ, represented by Isaiah, the spirit of prophecy, to the prophetess, is who is really representing the true church now the two are starting and and will join together the spirit of prophecy is coming upon the true church represented by the prophetess something's about to be conceived and brought forth which is already happening this is really what i'm telling you it's already happening what she gives birth to represents the very first message that she will begin to proclaim in this time when the move is made and the attempt to install a puppet king, which God says what they're designing isn't going to stand, in essence, what it is doing is furthering the rise of the king of Assyria. And so the spirit of prophecy represented by Isaiah, embodied in Isaiah, comes to his wife, represented by the church of the Lord Jesus Christ of our times, and that spirit comes and something's conceived. It's a message. It's the first message. And that message is maher shalal hashbaz. In other words, what is coming is coming quickly. And what begins to be proclaimed, what they named the child, was that, was that plunder and spoil is at hand. And it's going to happen quickly. It's hastening now. So the message of the true church, joined together with the spirit of prophecy represented by Isaiah and the prophetess, is just that. What you are hearing now from the real move of the Spirit through his, through his workers, through his servants, through his church, is that what is happening now is going to happen with increasing speed. It's happening quickly. And it's very interesting because, because before the message grows, right, that is the message we're talking about, uh, this is the message, it's quick. And it's brought forth, but it's not future. In other words, what's being proclaimed right now is a right now word. The conceiving has already happened. Verse 3, she brings forth and bears the son. So what we are actually entered into now, if you can receive it, and I'm not going to say that very many more times. I'm just going to lay it out there, but just for the purposes as we get, keep going, it's already been brought forth. It's already happened. The child has already been born, and the real message has been being proclaimed. And it's not a message that's designed for the future, far-flung future. It's a message that is already born and being declared, and it's a message that will be fulfilled quickly and has been being fulfilled quickly. I'll give you an example. January of last year, at this time, could you have ever imagined how quickly events would change the course of the planet to where we are today, where the eagle's wings have been plucked, where there's a, a thoroughly compromised Israel-like, Samaria-like church, absolutely clueless, where a puppet king is about to be installed? 
where the capital city of the freest country on the face of the planet is, is under lockdown with over 30,000 armed troops. And in mm-hmm. every capital of the, of the Union, all 50 states, soldiers have been deployed. That happened pretty quickly, if you ask me. But if you've been paying attention, the servants of the Lord were saying all last year, this is not going to stop. It has begun. And what is happening is going to happen quickly. In essence, they were saying, Maher Shalal Hazbaz, right? That's what they were saying. It's quickie. It's quickly. It's coming quickly. It's happening now. That's what, that's what the word and the spirit was, was moving here. See, so, so, you know, it's not a future message. It's a now message. It's already happened. The Spirit of God over the last several years has been moving in the underground church, if you will, all across the world, including this nation. And if you don't think there's an underground church in this nation, well, you haven't been paying attention. There is a whole host of discontented people who know that the only voice that they choose to follow is not the voice of the compromised church or its leaders, but the voice of the true shepherd. That's what they've been following. And over the years, especially the last three or four years, they were forced to leave established religion. They were discontented with what they were involved in. They looked at the church and they said, that's not the church that I know. They follow the spirit of the Lord. And so something was birthed in them. They knew and began to sense something was happening. They began to to know that these were different times. And as things progressed throughout the last three and four years, especially, they brought forth something an understanding. They named it. They called it. What this is leading to is the rise of that wicked one and the global super state that the book of Revelation talked about. And it's going to happen quickly. It's plunder. It's, it's spoil. To take a spoil means to take a plunder, to take a treasure. That's what Jesus said when he said that, that the, the thief comes but for to steal, to kill, to destroy. That is the message. That's what's happening. And so it wasn't something that was going to grow into a future realization. It was something that would happen now. And that's what Isaiah revealed in verse 4. Can you read that in verse 4, Brother Jeremy? For before the child shall have knowledge to cry, my father and my mother, the riches of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria shall be taken away before the king of Assyria. Amen. So what he's actually revealing here, like we were just saying, is the child's not even going to have time to grow up. In other words, the message is now. There will be no prolonged sense of an evolving of the message until it's fruition. He says before the child can even cry mother and father. So it's an infancy message. It's a quick message. It's at the inception of the message that it will happen. The world and the false nations of the world and the false spiritual nation shall be judged. And it says these very interesting words, the spoil of Samaria shall be taken away before the king of Assyria. So what that is revealing and what he's saying is that it's not the king of Assyria that's going to make this happen. There, There is something that precedes his ultimate rise. I believe that's what we've been witnessing. It's in front of him. He's witnessing it, but he himself hasn't taken full control, but it's happening in front of him. His his global elite, if you will, is what we would term them today, his, his underlings. They've been setting the stage, and, and, you know, it's his outlying forces, so forth and so on, that are doing this. And, and that is what's happening. 
And so before the message has a, a lengthy time of being proclaimed, it's not that season. It's actually the season of fulfillment, and it's a short and powerfully declared thing. And so that's what we see. The prophecies really then begin to concern Judah. But you have to remember this in the spirit of revelation. Judah is the Jew and the Gentile church of our time. Remember that, that this is the key component to understanding what we're about to say going forward. When you're looking at it from prophetic understanding. Now, the Lord reveals that not all amongst us, that is the, the spiritual Judah, if you will, and natural Judah, not all amongst us are true. There's still those within the camp that he begins to reveal in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy, 5 and 6? The Lord spake also unto me again, saying, For as much as this people refuse it, the waters refuse the waters of Shiloh, that go softly and rejoice and resume and Remaliah's son. Now therefore, behold, <laughs> now, okay, now therefore, behold the Lord bringeth up upon them the waters of the river, strong and many, even the king of Assyria in all his glory, and he shall come up over all his channels and go over all his banks. Now check this out. So when we get to verse 5 and it says, The Lord spoke also unto me again. We now enter into the next aspect of what God is revealing will be the unfolding thing here. We have the declaration uh, of writing the scroll, the, the rise or the symbology of the two witnesses, Uriah and Zechariah. You then have the coming together of the spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus Christ, represented by the prophet Isaiah himself, coming together with his prophetess, representing the church, being, being and then something conceived and brought forth. It's a nine-month period, really, but at the end of it, what actually takes shape is, is a son, and the meaning of his name is really the message, the first message that will be proclaimed. And that first message is what is coming is coming quickly now. And, and, and the thing that triggered all this was the attempt uh, of, of Damascus and Samaria to install a puppet king to enlarge their influence, and to solidify their political position and military power base. But all that did was cause uh, an event to be triggered that will bring forth the king of Assyria. It's the second vision that Isaiah had. But the first vision culminates with the declaration that you're about to be plundered, you're about to be spoiled. That's what's happening. And it's going to happen before the king of Assyria rises. And then he concludes his vision. Then he begins with the second vision, which follows right on the heels of it. The symbology of the son not being able to grow up enough to where he can proclaim mama and daddy, he's not old enough, indicates that it's a very brief and short time that the message of plunder and spoil is proclaimed. It's, it's almost like a, you know, like a Paul Revere riding through the street saying the British are coming, right? In the meantime, while that message is going forth quick and powerful, the elites uh, or, or the representatives of the king of Assyria plunder the false nation of, some, uh, of Israel and, and the world, really. That's what Damascus represents. It sets the stage. It occurs. Isaiah then has uh, the next division in, in verse 5, which Brother Jeremy just read. 
indicating that these events are actually uh, un- beginning to unmask something. And what God does is he, he references the waters of Shiloh. When he says, for as much as this people refuse the waters of Shiloh to go softly, and they rejoice in Razin and Ramalia's son. Ramalia's son, is, is, his name was Pekah. He was the one they were attempting to install. And God said, what they're attempting to do will not stand. But what he exposes by the prophet is that there's still those of you, this people, he calls them, for as much as this people refuses the waters of Shaloah, they begin to long for actually this installation of, of a different king. That's what he's beginning to expose. First of all, he says they refuse these waters. See, the waters of Shiloh were actually the waters of the house of David. House of David is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ in his house. And the waters that flow from, from the Lord's house are pure waters, peaceable waters. They represent the waters of the Spirit up underneath these times and it, subsequently in their time. And so he's saying there are among you people who really at the heart of who they are, they don't want these kinds of waters. They're actually still longing for a return to those days. You know, those Razin and, and Ramalia's son's days. That's what, that's what he's saying. And so he says, because of this, now remember, there are those who reject these waters. That's what he's saying. In the secret of their hearts, what they're really longing for is the false. This is the completion, if you can see it, of thee falling away. By rejecting the waters of the Lord. If you remember, we studied this on Friday when Paul reveals to the church at Thessalonica that the coming of the wicked one, the son of perdition, cannot happen until there come first the falling away. And he said the falling away, in essence, is the removing of the the influence of the Spirit over the collective humanity, but also over that backslidden, compromised church in the time. And, and so this refusing of the waters really much, uh, really much is that same thing. What is being prophesied here is that the rejecting of the waters and the longing for the things of the world represent that falling away. And we know this because it gives, it gives rise right a result. The result is what the Lord reveals next. It's verse 7. Read verse 7 again. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord bringeth up upon them the waters of the river, strong and many, even the king of Assyria and all his glory. And he shall come up over all his channels and go over all his banks. Now the flood begins to take play. He refers to the waters of the Antichrist as the waters of the king of Assyria. And, and it talks about uh, his waters have been channeled. At this point, they've been confined and controlled, but they're now going to be allowed no longer to be confined and directed in certain directions by the channels of the waters. It's going to come up like a flood now. Quickly, it's going to spread across the world. All his glory, it says, and the Lord's going to allow it. Why? Because they reject the waters of Shiloh. They reject the Holy Spirit now. And even up under the message, the initial message that what's coming is coming quickly, they still long for something else. And, and, and so we, we have the judgment that comes upon the false, but also there are false amongst us. And that is what he's revealing. 
and and when that is complete, which is, <laughs> man, I'm telling you, we're really close to that. Um, then the waters begin to flood. They begin to rise and begin to flood the land. Now listen, he then turns his attention in verse 8 to see the effect of it. Yes, go ahead. Um, it, it, I'm, I'm getting uh, pictures of uh, Revelation 12, right? The, the flood that comes out of the mouth of the serpent. Yeah, that's excellent, um, yes. Right, and the dragon, I think is uh, Revelation yeah. twelve fifteen, which is prophetic in nature, and it's it's really what it's exactly what what is happening in Isaiah's day. He's, yeah, he's he's telling them, look, you're you're rejecting of my waters. Jeremiah said they forsaken, you know, uh, the fountain of living waters. Um, is given way to this new expression, this expression of the Antichrist as in the horizon. So I just want to make that connection there. Yeah, excellent. That's exactly right. And and, uh, that is that same flood that goes forth out of the dragon's mouth, right? It's it's allowed. See, the Lord times it in verse 7 where he says, Now, therefore, behold, the Lord will bring up these waters on you. You've rejected the waters of the Lord, and so that is the falling away, right? And now these waters are going to overflow their banks. The channels, in many ways, is the keeping power of the Holy Spirit. In in, in verse 7 that we just looked at, he has channels. He has confined space that his, his waters have been allowed to flow. That is the Antichrist, the devil, so forth and so on. But once the rejection of the of the waters of Shiloh, which is really the waters of the house of David, which is really the waters of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. Once that's refused and and it's complete, then 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 he that now led it, as Paul referred to it, the protector that has been keeping this flood at bay, will be uh, will be removed from the scene, and those waters no longer have have a withholding channel, so to speak. They're now going to overflow their banks. There's nothing holding them back. That's what he's saying. And and what he's going to do in verse 8. Can you read verse 8, Brother Jeremy? And he shall pass through Judah. He shall overflow and go over. He shall reach even to the neck. And the stretching out of his wings shall fill the breath of thy land, O Emmanuel. Wow, this is really amazing what he's saying. And, and you know, because now what we have here in 7 is the full manifestation of the king of Assyria. This is the Antichrist. That is what is ahead of us, brothers and sisters. I'm telling you, pay attention. It's not that far from them. We, I believe, are, are, are witnessing that attempt to install a puppet king, Ramalia's son, so to speak. And we are also witnessing a message go forth that what is coming is coming very, very fast. And that's what you're going to see in the preceding days. Trust me. Listen to what I'm telling you. We are going to see as we go forth in 2021, event after event after event after event, a quickening is what's going to happen. And and then then will come that wicked one. He will manifest himself, and it will lead to an overflowing flood that will take over the whole world. But it's going to affect Judah. And Judah, like we talked about, represents both spiritual and natural uh, Israel, if you will, the church. Judah is the house of David. 
that is where Jesus comes from, right? The Gospel of Matthew, Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. So when you see a reference in this specifically uh, interpreted uh, historical account here as it relates to biblical prophecy, when you see Judah, you're, you're really seeing both Jew and Gentile church of the living God. It, what's coming is going to affect the church. It's going to affect Jew and Gentile in the church alike. But it's also going to affect natural Israel. We're coming out of what we're coming out of into something now. And I want you to pay attention to natural Israel as well, because this is what the Bible predicts, that both what Brother Fernando was just quoting out of Revelation chapter 12, is that uh, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has come down to you knowing that he has but a short time. Right? And then when the devil sees what position he's in, Brother Fernando referenced that scripture in Revelation 12, where a flood goes out of his mouth. That's what we're seeing here. This flood is going to encompass the whole world. It already is just about there, but it's going to it's going to rise to a level that Isaiah describes of as reaching even unto the neck. We'll talk about that in a second. But this this flood is going to affect the church. And in Revelation chapter twelve, I think it's verse seventeen, he goes forth to make war with the saints, to them that have that keep the commandments of God. And they that have the testimony of Jesus Christ, it's it's a it's a flood that goes against both uh, those appointed in Israel of our time and those in the church to come up under the persecution of this system, and that's what he's warning about here. The flood encompasses everything, and so it will also lead our attention directly to Jerusalem. That's what this is all about. That is where this is headed. We will see the effects of it touching both the church, spiritual Israel, and natural Israel. And the waters will reach to the neck. Let's read that again. And he shall pass through Judah. Isaiah, prophet. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 8. He will pass through Judah. He shall overflow and go over. He shall reach even to the neck. You know, Jesus referenced that so great would be what is upon us. He called it the great tribulation. That's what we're seeing here in verse 8. And he said, except those days be cut short, no flesh would be saved. That's why Isaiah sees it in this way. He sees the waters coming and continuing to rise, to rise, to rise, to the point that it reaches the neck. What he's saying is, in essence, what Jesus revealed, that there will be a cutting short of those days. Because when the water rises to the neck, you're just, you know, a few more inches of water away from literally being plunged underneath and drowning. But the fact that it reaches just the neck indicates it is referencing the Great Tribulation and the cutting short of those days. That's why he goes on to cry out to the Lord. Look what he says again in verse 8, and he shall pass through Judah. He shall overflow and go over. He shall reach even to the neck. And the stretching out of his wings shall fill the breath of thy land. And then what does he say? Oh, Emmanuel. Very interesting. He cries out to the one he just referenced in chapter 7, verse 14, when he referenced a virgin shall conceive, right? And she shall call his name Emmanuel. Remember who he's talking to here. He's talking to King Ahaz in the historical narrative. 
And when he told him the the attempt to install this puppet king would not stand, but it would trigger events, but it wouldn't ultimately end up in the destruction of God's people. And 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 then he asked the king. He said, "Ask me for a sign. I'll give you a sign. A sign in the heavens, or a sign even in the depths of the earth." And the king says, "I won't. I won't even ask you for a sign. I can't. I won't test God. I won't tempt God." And he says, "Okay. Well, the Lord's going to give you a sign." And he says, "Behold, a virgin shall conceive." Right? That's what he said. And, and and she shall bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. So he says, the sign that your nation is going to be preserved, natural Israel, it will come through this one called Emmanuel. By the time we get to chapter 8, we're well into end-time prophecy here, and that's why the cry for that one revealed in chapter 7 is made in verse 8. Oh, Emmanuel, he has filled your land. If you know Bible prophecy, then you know this, that the culmination and the battle of all the ages is going to come down to Jerusalem. That's what the Bible reveals. That is where that whole famous, you know, most people have heard of the Battle of Armageddon, the Battle of Megiddo. You know, Jerusalem is the key. It is the city of the great king. And once this Antichrist figure, that's why I told you, pay attention in this year especially. Watch how much the focus is going to turn to Israel as well. Because that's where we're headed. Because this overflowing of the banks of the river, this this consummation of all of the ages, this allowance of the king of Assyria, a foreshadow of the Antichrist to come, that's another name for him, by the way, uh, is going to ultimately lead to him uh, securing or attempting to secure his his power base from Jerusalem. And that's why it, it's as if God put the message in there and, re- and reminded us when he cries out, oh, Emmanuel, he's filled your land. Because what we know is that when Jerusalem is compassed about with armies, right, he said, know that the time is at hand. That's what Isaiah is revealing here, and that's what he's revealing to us right now. The prophet is calling out to Emmanuel, the spirit of prophecy, right, the testimony of Jesus. We will begin to call out to the Lord. This is what Revelation 13 and Daniel 7 is all about. There will be no hiding place, trust me. Now read to us, Brother Jeremy, would you, uh, verse 9, listen to what he warns. Associate yourselves, all, all ye people, and ye shall be broken in pieces, and give ear, all ye of far countries. Gird yourselves, and ye shall be broken in pieces. Gird yourselves, and ye shall be broken in pieces. It's incredible what he reveals. Uh, because what he's actually talking about is that confederacy, that coming together. There, there's several ways you can look at it, but he continually says broken in pieces. What he's referencing there is the prophecy of Daniel chapter 7. Can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy, concerning the fourth kingdom and the rise of the king of Assyria? Daniel chapter 7, I believe it's it's verse 7. After this, I saw in the night visions And behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly. And it had great iron teeth, it devoured and brake in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all, diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. 
So what Daniel reveals is what Isaiah is revealing here. He talks about an association of the people and the result of that or this coming up underneath the global state is that it will be broken into pieces. That's what Daniel said he will do. He will break them into pieces. But when he references the far countries girding themselves up, girding themselves up, and that they will be broken in pieces, that's what Daniel saw when he when he uses the phrase that he will stamp the residue with the feet thereof. Any resistance, anything that's quick to try and prevent this is going to be destroyed. That's what he's revealing. So either way, what he's saying, if you associate with this, the world is going to be broken up into pieces. It's going to be divided into ten zones. Listen to what I'm telling you. It will be headed by ten kings prophesied in the book of Revelation who will give their power to that little horn among them. He is even the eighth, as John referred to him in chapter 17 of the book of Revelation. And, and he will be handed power over the whole world. The breaking apart of the planet is going to take place into zones. And that is what, uh, what he's revealing here once uh, uh, the king of Assyria overflows his banks. Now remember what we're talking about here, that son that was conceived by Isaiah and the prophetess, the message. The message is it's coming quickly. It's not going to hasten. It's not going to be this long time anymore. In other words, the child won't even have a chance to grow up and say father and mother. That's how quick it's coming. And he says the 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 desire of the compromise will be to 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 return to that part world, part Christianity, part Judaism, whatever you want to call it, part hyper-spirituality. But in effect, what they're doing is rejecting the remaining waters of the Lord, the flowing waters of the house of David, the house of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the great falling away. And when that is triggered, which is where we are right now, trust me, it, it, it furthers along now and, and causes to happen the rise of the king of Assyria. And that is what God is revealing. And that the waters will begin to overflow their banks, their controlled channels, representing the Holy Spirit who holds him at bay. But this ultimate rejection results in the overflowing of the banks, and it will lead to natural Israel. That's what we're telling you. Pay attention to Israel and notice as well how quickly events are going to unfold. They're already happening. The events are coming quickly. I mean, just imagine, I mean, we're here on what, the 17th of January, 18th of January. Just look back what's happened over the last three weeks. It has happened so quickly and so fast, and it's nothing compared to what we're about to see in the ensuing days and weeks. You mark my words, and then watch our policies and, or global policy as it pertains to Israel. They're going to be isolated, and the flood of this wicked one is going to reach up until the top of the neck. And what is being prophesied here in verse 9 is that those that associate themselves will be broken into pieces, ten zones. Comparing scripture with scripture, those who resist will be stamped by the feet of this draconian state that is now well underway. Now it gives way to the prophecy of Psalm number two. Read Psalm uh, uh, eight, uh, chapter eight, verse ten, because it's referencing Psalm two. Read that, brother Jeremy. Take counsel together, and it shall come to naught. Speak the word, and it shall not stand. For God is with us. So what he's referencing really is what David wrote about. The, uh, you know, why did the heathen imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves together, and the rulers of the earth take counsel together, saying, let us throw off their cords and 
remove their stakes, so to speak, right? Let, let's get rid of God. And that's what he's referencing here. Once these things that we've been talking about up to this point are in place, they begin to take counsel, but God warns them through his prophet, it's going to come to nothing. Speak your word, say whatever you want, he says, and it's not going to stand because God is with us. This is the faith and the patience of the saints. This is what we're looking at here, in that it doesn't matter what you do. We trust in God. God is with us. That's what Isaiah is revealing. So upon seeing and hearing Isaiah's prophecy, it's really what we're seeing now. What God is speaking now, what do they do? It, 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 it's, <laughs> it's really like what the church is doing right now. Before all of this comes to pass, they've doubled down on their stupidity in our country, just as they did back then. That's what, that's what Isaiah goes on to reveal here in verse 11 and 12. Look at, look at their attitude. Look what they do in verse 11 and 12. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, Say ye not a confederacy to all them to whom this people shall say a confederacy. Neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. Incredible. So what he was prophesying and exposing, we've been discussing. But now he like takes our attention and focuses it on the attitude of the people, the compromised amongst them, the false church, if you will, the backslidden church. The church in, in many ways that we've seen today in our time that, that, that seeks to double down in the midst of this ever-growing, uh, you know, vice grip that's coming upon them, what they seek to do is to institute a confederacy. In other words, they're, they're saying, we just got to double down. We got to, like, connect, man. You know, and we've got, <laughs> we, you know, we'll be able to overthrow all this stuff, right? And, and and what God is saying to, to the prophet and, and subsequently to all of us, he says, don't join in with them. Don't even validate what they're doing now. That's why he says, the Lord spoke to me this way in the midst of everything we've been talking about with a strong hand. He's warning Isaiah right now. And he's warning us. And he said, God warned me with a strong hand and instructed me that I would that I should not walk in the way of these people. That's what we've been seeing, right? A doubling. Of, we'll get them at 2022, right? We'll, 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 we're, you know, we're gonna have start our own political party. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, follow Trump's, uh, you know, new digital channel that he's gonna. I mean, all the stuff you've been hearing, man. All right. of it. And I, and God says, don't give in to that. Stay away from that. Don't even, you know, don't tell. <laughs> In verse twelve, he says, "Say, say ye not a confederacy." To all them to whom this people shall say a confederacy. He says, don't fear their fear or be afraid. That's what he's telling the true church right now. You don't have to be afraid. Don't, don't be afraid of what they're afraid of. God is with you. God is with us. This is headed somewhere is what he's saying. He says, what you need to do instead, and what he's warning for us to do, is what he says next in verse 13. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. That's who we're to turn to right now. And notice the phrase he uses, the Lord of hosts. 
He's intensifying the faith and the patience of the saints. He's telling them to reject, you know, those who would take up the sword, those who would try to fight what's coming. They long ago lost the right to do that. And now their fate is sealed. They don't even know it because they don't know prophetic times and neither have they spent time with the Lord so that he could speak to them and give them the kind of information that they need. And he says, but to my people, he says, sanctify the Lord of hosts. Separate him in your heart, in other words. And the Lord of hosts, he addresses the Lord Jesus Christ, really. He is the Lord of hosts, right? He's the captain of the Lord's army. He's basically saying, that is where you put your trust in. He's coming. He's coming. The Lord is a warrior. You know, who is the king of glory? <laughs> the Lord, mighty in battle, right? The Lord is a warrior. Open up ye gates. Lift up your, your, your gates, you everlasting doors, right? And the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The psalmist said, the Lord, the Lord mighty in battle, right? The Lord is a warrior. Yeah. That's who he tells his people in this time to look to, to sanctify him in your heart, right? Let him be your fear. In other words, that's who you need to be afraid of. You better be on the right side of history on this one is basically what he's telling you. <laughs> let him be your dread. In other words, sanctify yourself. We need to let the Spirit of God examine us right now. And show us what we need to get rid of us, out of our hearts, out of our lives, everything. I'm not going to be here <laughs> day after day after day doing this. Because we're coming to a time, man, where, you know, it's every man for himself. You better gather your family around you, man. I'm telling you, you better listen to what the Lord's been saying. You better hearken to the voice of his spirit. We are not playing games here. I'm not. I'm not wasting my time here. Neither are my brothers. We're seeking to hear what the Lord is saying. But the time is coming where we will not be able to even do what we're doing right now. So what we're admonishing you is maher shalal hashbaz, right? This is coming quickly. That's, that's what yes. we're saying. And yes. so we need to really, yes. yeah, <laughs> we need to be understanding this. I don't mean to be no heavy on you, man. I'm just telling you, this is, I don't want this to turn into some sort of gathering place where we get, you know, cute little nuggets and we get our prophecy fixed. That ain't it. Mm -hmm. Thus saith the Lord, right? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, whether you believe that or not, it makes no difference to me. But those of you who have ears to hear, it's time to sanctify the Lord of hosts. It's time for us to put him as the central focus of our fear and our dread. Jesus said, don't fear him who can destroy the body, but fear him rather who can destroy both body and soul and cast it into hell. That's who we need to be fearing. Paul even said it. I work out my salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because my God is an all-consuming fire. This is the Lord of all glory. This is the Lord of creation that we're about to have an encounter with. I think it was Amos who wrote, set the trumpet to your mouth, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the, the day of battle is at hand, right? You know, wake up. Wake up the church. Wake up your loved ones. Wake up your neighbors. And do it with the great skill of the Lord. But understand, in these times, and I'm telling you, listen to me again. This is coming quickly. It's already underway. And, and you're going to see event after event after event take place in such rapid succession, your head will be spinning. And then, and then the, the attempt will be to resist 
and to, to, to become public in your resistance. And, and, and God warns Isaiah in verse 11 and 12, says, don't join with that lot. Don't give in to that. He says, what you need to focus on right now, he says, is sanctifying the Lord of hosts. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. That's who you need to be fearful of because he's coming. <laughs> the Lord is our protection is what he's saying. The Lord of hosts. Now, he he goes into a very interesting twofold prophecy here. Verse 14, 15, and 16. Can you read that really quick, Brother Jeremy? 14 through 16. And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. And there's so much here in, in each little stanza we have we could spend hours on, but we're just going to go quickly through this. It's a twofold prophecy here that, that he was giving. It's twofold. Remember, in from the beginning. That's exactly happening. Uh, happened. The stone of stumbling that he referenced, the first fulfillment of the prophecy, is the Lord Jesus Christ. He was preaching to that future generation, the generation that would reject the Lord. That's why he called him the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense, and that it would be for both houses of Israel. Natural Israel in that far-flung future, about 800 years from the time Isaiah was prophesying this, would reject the Lord. The result of it in verse 15 is that they would stumble, fall, be broken, snared, and taken. And then he says that, that happened in 70 AD, right? They were taken to the four corners of the earth. And then in verse 16, he said, now bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. That's exactly what happened. Once they stumbled at the stone, which was the one that the builders rejected, they, their, their, their city was destroyed. Jerusalem was destroyed. They stumbled. They fell. They were broken. They were snared. And they were taken to the four corners of the earth. And then the testimony of the Lord and the seal of the law was given to the apostles in the early church. Verse 16, that's what happened. Bind the testimony and seal the law among my disciples. Whose? Emmanuel's. That's what he's talking about. That was what was going to happen. That I call it a twofold prophecy because that's exactly what it is. The same thing is going to be repeated. Just as in the time just before Jerusalem and Israel were destroyed before, it's going to happen again. Isaiah is referencing the Lord, right? The stone of stumbling and offense. The cross of Calvary. Take up your cross and follow me. It's going to be a stumbling again. What do you mean? The times themselves are going to put such pressure on us. We've been warned what's coming, the overflowing of the banks. All of it is going to test and refine and, 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 and separate the sheep from the goats. Why? Because what is ahead of us is so glorious and so wonderful and marvelous, but it's not reserved for the compromised. It's not reserved for the prayerless. It's not reserved for those who don't love the Lord. It's reserved for his children, the poor of the world, rich in faith, to inherit the kingdom that is coming. It is reserved for those that are longing for his appearance. It is reserved for those who have spent time with him and love him and have surrendered their life to him. And it's, it's through much trial and tribulation that you enter into the kingdom of heaven. It is that sacred fellowship of the end time church with the early church. 
It is the fellowship of his sufferings that Paul talked about when he said, oh, that I might know him and the fellowship of his sufferings, right? And be conformed to his death. And then he says, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection from the dead. That's what this is about. And so that is what he's revealing will happen again. Many will stumble. Many will fall. Many will be broken. Many will be snared. Many will be taken up under these times. That's why he admonished them before to sanctify the Lord of hosts in their heart, to let him be what they fear and worship, and that they dread more than anything to stand before him unprepared, without a wedding garment on, all the things we've been talking about, without oil in our lamps, all that stuff, without the blood applied to the doorposts of our house, all of it is wrapped up in this. He said they would stumble, they did. There'll be an end-time generation, same thing. Same thing's happening in Israel right now. You have a separation taking place. Many of the Jews are getting saved, our brothers, into whose olive tree we've been grafted. But many of them are their enemies. They still refuse Christ. And so does the compromised worldly church, especially the one we've witnessed over the last four years in this country. Where are they now? We're going to see them here in a second. But what's happening now is what happened then. This falling, this stumbling, this breaking, this snaring, all that stuff. That's Daniel chapter 11, right? We talked about it the other day. Many of the understanding uh, uh, shall instruct many, right? Though that under, they that understand among the people shall instruct many, but they shall fall and they shall be helping with little help and many will cleave to them with flatteries. He's saying that though there were those who understood, but up under the times they will fall. That's what Daniel said. And that people would join alongside of them and say, why are you so intense? You know, why don't you just join us? Don't worry about it. This ain't God loves you. You can take the mark and survive and whatever, man, you want to say. But that's what they'll do. But then he said, there's others that will understand. Some of them will fall, but it's only to try them, to purge them, and to make them white as snow. They will be called the wise. They are the ones who endure. They may buckle a little bit here and there, but they're going to make it. And when they come out the other end, they'll be able to understand exactly what God has revealed. And they'll be able to instruct others. They'll have a, a, a communion of fellowship with each other. We're going to make it through. And what is ahead of us is so awesome. How dare you? That's why when the Lord came in in that parable we were looking at of, of, of the wedding feast, and he comes in and he sees the house is full and he sees one person in there without a wedding garment. He says, how'd you get in here like that? <laughs> he says, bind him hand and foot, cast him into outer darkness. That's what he said. This wedding garment, this grand initiation into the things of the kingdom of God, this beautiful reward that Paul spoke about. He said, man, this momentary light affliction, it ain't nothing to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, that we would stand in the congregation of the upright. The upright is Jesus, right? Washed in the blood of the Lamb, allowing the Spirit of God to take us further and deeper and more serious here, deeper. He says, just as it was then, bind up the testimony and seal the law among my disciples. See, uh, a, <laughs> what's really cool here is that's a reference to Revelation 19.10, right? The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, the sealing of the law amongst my disciples. It's a seal. We've been sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, the earnest of our inheritance. 
that we the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened and that we would know what the hope of his calling is and what the glory of the riches of his inheritance is in the saints. At this time, he's saying that testimony will be given to his people, his, his disciples. That is the spirit of prophecy. He's going to give that for to him. Them. Yes. Go ahead. What did you say? I'm looking for him. That's what the next verse says. That, that's, what, yeah. that's what it will produce. That's right. And that's why he goes there, <laughs> That's exactly right. So Isaiah reveals more, like we were just saying, in 33 AD, the Calvary caused you know, many to fall, 70 AD, they were taken and destroyed. And then and then a transference of the prophetic begins to happen up under these times. And what Brother Fernando just said, it brings us to verse 17, right? Can you read that, Brother? Verse 17. And I and will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. Amen. This is exactly what the prophets have told us of old. There will be those who understand the times, but you see, Israel is being surrounded, right? And and they'll be looking for the Lord. It's that what Zechariah prophesied would be the outpouring of the spirit of grace and supplication upon Israel, that he would suddenly begin to turn the inhabitants of Jerusalem and Judah and all Israel to look upon the Lord whom they crucified, whom they pierced. And they'll begin to mourn for him in bitterness as one mourns for their only son. And 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 then Jesus said they will begin to cry out, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Until that point he has hidden himself for them so that they might search for him. But God's children, the faith and the patience of the saints that Brother Fernando was just talking about, they're saying, I will wait upon the Lord. I will look for Amen. him. Lord is we, because we know he's coming, right? Jacob yeah. is left alone. And watch for this. Everything's about to be changing concerning Israel. You watch. But God's children know it's a flashpoint. It's a signal. It's a banner. It's a headlight, whatever you want to call it. That's why we begin to train our eyes on things above. And we know his coming is imminent. We're waiting for him. We're looking for him. And then verse 18 says this about that kind of a church. What does it say, Brother Jeremy, verse 18? Behold, I... And the children in whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth in Mount Zion. This is an exciting prophecy here, because what he's basically saying is that up underneath all of this, just like what Paul told us in, in, in Thessalonians, right, that, that your faith goes throughout the whole world, right? So that I, uh, you know, that I glory about you amongst the churches, he said, and I don't even have to say anything. And he says that that God is going to reward those who are persecuting you. He said those are per and you're being persecuted because you're a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. That's what he says here, is that these signs, these wonders, that, that they're tokens. His children, his church, his true church that maintains itself. It's a wonder. It's a sign to the whole world and they're and they're jesus's children right because they're they're the children of the lord of hosts <laughs> right who dwells in zion he's still in heaven at this point but but his children on the earth both jew and gentile they're they're for signs and wonders because what the book of revelation predicts that when this thing is in in full swing there's going to be a, a delineation between the children of god and the children of darkness and so what he's saying is that there will no, there won't be any gray area anymore. 
he says, everyone's going to worship the beast. Everyone's going to take the mark, except those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life from the foundation of the world. They're the signs. They're the wonders. It's a wonder that they are able to uphold up underneath the heat that's coming down on this planet. They're a sign that there is a God and that there is a Lord, and he's coming for them. He's coming to rescue his church. <laughs> Praise God. Praise Hallelujah. God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Now, Isaiah, he starts addressing the neo-charismatic Pentecostal compromised denominational people of, of his time and subsequently our time. Because that's what we yeah. see happening right here, right? Can you read verse 19 yeah. and 20? Oh, yeah. And when they shall say unto you, seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and that mutter, should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the death? Verse 20. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to his word, it is because there is no light in them. My God, when are you going to wake up, church? When are you going to keep listening, quit listening to all those false prophets out there who have been exposed, weighed in the balances and found wanting? 2020 exposed them all. God shut their mega churches. God closed down their ministries. God let them, you know, proclaim themselves like fools on the landscape of the world proclaiming all the stupid stuff they proclaim. And now they double down. Now they're trying to hedge their bets and they continue to prophesy. When God never told them to prophesy, God never sent them. But but they continually spew out their filth and their stupidity and they speak in the name of the Lord, imaginations of their own mind and their own heart and God never sent them. And that's who they say we need to listen to? Are you kidding me? He tells Isaiah to tell us, they have no light in them. And what does he draw our attention to in verse 20? He draws our attention to the law and to the testimony. Mm. In other words, go to the prophetic scriptures. Go to Moses and the prophets. That's what he's saying. That's what we need to do. That's what we're doing right now. That's what you who have been with us for any length of time know. We've been on this journey together. And, and and by now, many of us know that the Spirit of God has been leading us and guiding us and showing us things. Sometimes, as soon as we end the podcast, it blows us away because it's by the afternoon or the evening, the very thing we were talking about comes to pass. Right. <laughs> it's, just, it's that quickly, ain't it? I mean, but he mm -hmm. says... Uh, that, that, that's what Paul also said in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, that all these things happen unto them for in samples, and they are written... For our admonition upon yes. whom, this is powerful, upon whom the end of the world are come. Yes. Meaning that for this generation, for our time today, because we believe that we have entered the end of time, these, we are to look back, as you're saying, Brother Marty, we are to look back to the examples in the law from the time, from the Exodus and what the prophets wrote and what the apostles wrote. And everything that we will see is pointing to our time to know that they were written for what? Our admonition 
and yeah. and 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 they and for our examples, and that's what Paul tells the, the church in Corinthians, you know, to look and, and understand that all of this has happened, you know, he to look at it in a spiritual manner, not just literally, yeah. but in a spiritual manner. Amen. Incredible. So yes, that's good, brother. And then that's why he's saying, notice how they continually double down, right? Earlier in the chapter, as we were looking, they try to make political connection, confederacy, confederacy, right? He says, you you, mm-hmm. you don't join with them. You stay away from them. You start sanctifying the Lord of hosts in your heart. You start fearing and worshiping God. You double down on your pursuit of God in these times. That's what he's telling us. And then here, mm-hmm. he, he sees them going from a political confederacy to now these false prophets, right? They seek wizards. They seek familiar spirits instead of seeking God. And then he admonishes us in verse 20, the law and the testimony, the prophets, right? The law and the prophets, that's what what we're supposed to be focusing on. And the reason they don't, he says, is because they have no light in them. Were you going to say something, brother? Well, you know, uh, (laughs) the law... Go ahead, Brother Fernando. No, go ahead, Brother Fernando. No, this this is really ministering to me. Um, just everything, just it's answering a lot of questions for me. Um, I guess I can go back four years ago when uh, President Trump got elected. Um, I never forget it. You know, they called it the, you know, the the greatest political upset in the history of the nation. But the next day, I'll never forget what I felt. I saw everybody, conservatives, Christians, excited over the win for Trump. And something came over me. And I began to inquire, Lord, what is it that I'm feeling? And I began to sense that he was speaking to me. And I remember talking to you, Brother Marty, remember? And I and I texted you something. I said, what are you sensing? You remember that? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I guess... Isaiah 8:11 uh, tells me exactly now. It confirms what what I was sensing. Where it says this, it says, "For the Lord spoke thus to me with a strong hand." It was a strong warning. That's what I believe happened that following day after the election. Absolutely. A strong warning to, to us directly. It says, and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people. It was a strong warning. I remember, and we spoke about it the day after, right? And we had a conversation, yeah. and we were like, something's wrong here. The whole yeah. Christian world is in a frenzy. They, they, they got their man. But it felt mm-hmm. like the Lord was telling us and warning us strongly, don't think like they do. Yes. That's where it began. Don't think like they do. Warn them of, of, of this kind of confederacy of this kind of union and merging between uh, Christianity and, and, and politics. They are not supposed to put their trust in man. And exactly what we keep reading on is exactly what has transpired over these last four years, and in particular last year. Yes. Going into this year. It, it's, it's quite fascinating and amazing how the Lord is speaking to his people. Praise you, Lord. Uh, Jeremy, what were you going to say? 
you know, when also in verse 20, I wanted to uh, comment too of, of the way I see it too, when he mentions and the prophet tells us to look to the law and to the testimony. Why the law and why the testimony? And I believe in my heart, the Lord reminded me of Psalms, Psalms 19. Why the law? He says, because the law of the Lord is perfect and it converts the soul. It's what mm. keeps you. You got to look back to God's word. It's what's going to convert the soul and, and put yeah. your sight on, on, on things. And then he says, the testimony. And then it says here, the testimony of the Lord, hallelujah, is sure, making wise the simple. You know, the yeah. law and the testimony. The law keeps you <laughs> keeps you grounded. It keeps you, you know what I mean? It converts the soul. It, it brings conviction. It keeps you from going to this, to this. And the testimony, you trust in it because it's perfect. I sense the presence of God. It's sure. It's perfect. It makes wise the simple. That's what I thought about when we read this right now. That's good. And then, and then right after that, right, brother, uh, what we were saying here, and this is what delineates the false from the true. He says, if they do not speak according to this word, the law and the testimony, it is because they have no light in them. In them. Mm -hmm. In an indictment. And so he says, L -l -l I'm talking to you out there too that are listening to us in, in whatever community you're in. And I know you listen to us all over the country. I've been getting your emails and text messages and all that stuff. I know you're listening all over the country and even in different parts of the world. You need to listen in your little communities there or wherever you're fellowshipping or, or amongst your brothers, wherever you are listening, with those who are anchored in the law and the testimony, the word of Almighty God. Away with all these dreams, visions, all this stuff that they talk to you about, all these, you know, man. feelings I have and what right. I'm sensing right. and all that stuff, man. Oh, Be God. anchored in the word. And he says, if they don't speak to you from the word, if they can't show it to you in the word, don't listen to them, he says, because they have no light, no Jesus in them. He is the light, right? You have no spirit yes, in them, true spirit of the hope. There is nothing there. And that, that's where he doubles down after that and says, as a matter of fact, these guys, as this continues to unfold, they're going to fall away and become part of the system. They're going to be like the unwise who go to the marketplace looking for oil. They'll be swallowed up by the system. Read that to us, Brother Jeremy, verse 21 and 22, what they're going to result in now. And they shall pass through it, hardly be stead and hungry. And it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God and look upward. And mm. they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness dimness of anguish and they shall be driven to darkness all these people that you've seen on the platform over the last decade or so they're going to be swallowed up in this kingdom of darkness because they have no light in them that's where they're headed they will be hungry notice they might resist for a while but once they reach that place of hunger and they and suddenly everything that they thought and they imagined and they spoke, comes falling down to their feet, they will curse God. That's what he says. And their king. Wow. And they will they will turn oh, to the world and the system. 
And all that will happen is they will be driven to the darkness. That's what's going to happen, brothers and sisters. But Isaiah goes on, and maybe we'll we'll talk about it this tomorrow. I'm going to close with these two things. Brother Jeremy, could you read us? Because now he speaks to his people in verse 6 and 7 of chapter 9. Can you read that to us? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government, and peace there shall be no end, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The Lord sent a word into Jacob and it's fallen upon Israel. See, that's his coming church. This is so magnificent. Every generation since the beginning has been blessed and served purposes in the counsel and will of God. But as we've talked about before, throughout the generations of history, there has been called fullness of time moments. When the series and sets of prophecies uttered and events move across the landscape of history, culminate in generations where they are actually fulfilled. And this is what we're headed to. We have a unique fellowship amongst the believers that have gone before us. It's a fellowship with the early church. It's a fellowship with the church that saw the first advent of Christ. Subsequently, it shall be fulfilled in our time that we see the second advent of Christ. And much like them, we have been warned and told what is coming, but have also been admonished and encouraged that he has told us before so that when it happens, we might believe in him and that he has given us by his Holy Spirit that great faith in his word and patience so that he will keep us in the hour of trial that is coming upon the face of the earth to try all them who live here. But he says, listen, what is actually happening as you look for me and wait for me is a king is coming, our king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Satan is trying with all his might to fulfill what he has always said that he wanted to fulfill, and that is to, to sit upon the mountain of God. But the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. The price was paid on Calvary, was it not? He broke the power of death, for through death he destroyed him, destroyed him that had the power of death. And he has delivered us who through all our life were subject to bondage through through the fear of death. But for this purpose was the Son of God manifested, right? That he might destroy the works of the devil. He's Hallelujah. coming. He's coming. Yes. And we are not as those who do not know what's happening. He is revealing so that we know how to navigate ourselves with the oil in the lamp at the midnight hour. But you'd say, well, what do we do, brother? Well, let's just close with this. Bro. Turn over to chapter 26, brother. Here's some practical advice. Chapter 26. And the, could you read to us verse 20 and 21? Yes. 
Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. For, behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. And in that day, the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. Come out, he said, and hide yourself. That's practical information, right? Lay low, brothers and sisters. Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. This is the command of the Lord. We are being surrounded by wolves now, but we need to be wise. You need to rely upon the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the law and the testimony, right? The word of Almighty God is our guide. We're going to make it. We're going to make it through this because we're not relying upon our own strength, but the strength of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. Our job is to sanctify the Lord of hosts, to continue to pursue God, to continue to cry out to him, to continue to seek not his benefits or not all the things that he can give you, but seek him. Learn to talk to him. Learn to talk to him. Tell him what's in your heart. Tell him what you need. That you need him. That you love him. That you're thankful for everything he's ever done for you. When he could have cast you aside and many of us deserve to be so many times. Yet he invited us Come boldly into his throne of grace and obtain mercy in those times of need. Tell him you love him. Spend time with him. Ask him to get you through and he will. He'll turn the spotlight on the most interior parts of your heart and mind and he will show you gently as he always does. He admonishes. He corrects. But he also counsels and comforts and guides and he'll show you what is yet to come. We need not be afraid. We fear him. And we hide ourselves in his house by his grace under the shadow of his wing. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. That's what King David said. So when an army should encompass, encompass round about me, he said, I will fear no evil. Why? Because one thing have I desired, he said. Hallelujah. God help us to have that in us. One thing yeah. have I desired, and that will I speak after, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And in the yeah. time of trouble, he will hide you in his pavilion. In the secret place of the Most High, he will set you upon the rock of your salvation, even the rock of glory, the stone, yeah. the chief cornerstone. Jesus Christ, our soon coming King. May God bless you. May God keep you. And may you continue to look for the coming of the Lord. Brother Jeremy. My, my. What a powerful study we've had. 
sensing the presence of God uh, as he speaks, been speaking to us as his children, as his servants. And uh, as we close, <laughs> the Lord reminded me what Isaiah declared in chapter 59 and verse 19. It's just that little part that when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against them. Praise God. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion. And unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. Praise God. We have a God, hallelujah, that promises us that he will never, ever leave us. And his kingdom is and shall be established forever. My, my, what a, what a way to start this week. I know there's a lot of things that are about to happen, but what a word today. And we pray that you've been blessed. If you, if you've been touched by this word, let us know. If you've been touched by this word, share it with somebody. And, and I know this as it, as it encourages you, it will encourage somebody else. Meanwhile, we pray that you join us tomorrow. We pray God's blessing over your life. May God bless you. May God keep you. And as always, keep looking.